Welcome to Anturia Diaries Prequel Stories, written and narrated by Heather Lynn McMillan and copyright 2022. Content warning. The Anturia Diaries prequel stories consistently feature themes of graphic violence, profanity, controversial topics, and sexual content. As such, these podcasts are not suitable for listeners under the age of 18. Some episodes also contain more specific themes which may be triggering. These episodes will feature further content warnings in the notes. Please take care of yourself and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. Fucking assholes. That's what they were to me after every fucking thing I've been through. The jackasses don't even have the balls to kill me. No, they exile me to the fucking desert. I'm sure Bryn thought it was a kindness. She's all fucking flowers and butterflies. Since humans came here, we can no longer enjoy flowers and butterflies. They brought strife, war, anger, bloodshed, and betrayal to our peaceful world. They will pay for what they've done to Anturia. I will survive this fucking desert to come back and destroy them all. The guards hauled me off into the capsule. It took eight of them to hold all my limbs down and to get me into the fucking thing. There was no damn way I was going to go easily with them, even though I knew that fighting was pointless. I knew my destination. I knew my destination before Bryn said it out loud in the garden. I exhaled deeply and then relaxed my body as the capsule moved us beyond the borders of Chel de Velglen, northwestward into the plains of Duroy. Anger would only serve me now as a fuel to survive. I didn't need to spend any physical exertion on it because I was about to require all of my physical effort to survive what lay ahead of me. I glared around at all the guards as we sped along the flat desert of nothingness for miles and miles. One male guard smirked at me, and I could imagine cutting his bowels out and watching him as he fucking watched himself slowly die. I would be the one smirking then, not him. My gaze shifted to a female guard across from me. She was a crow in gloss with lovely light blue skin. Her white hair was soft and let down, which was unusual for a guard to wear their hair down in uniform, male or female. My eyes settled into her gaze, and her green eyes mesmerized me for a moment. I felt a shift in my senses, but I kept my face stoic not to attract the attention of anyone else around me. The female guard was attempting to reach me telepathically to tell me something. I glared at her harder with a face full of rage as I could feel the male guard still staring at me. As I opened my mind to let her communicate, I didn't want him to think anything unusual was happening other than my hatred of them. While I hardened my gaze, I relaxed my mind and let the female guard's mind touch mine. Kyla, when we get out of the capsule, I will come around to your left side and take your left shoulder. I will slip some things into your pocket that Bryn has given me. You are to tell no one. You are to make no indication that anything out of the ordinary has occurred. You are to leave the items in your pocket until we are gone. You are to resist and fight as you would normally as we drag you out in the desert to leave you. She paused, and I glared at the guard smirking at me, and then back to this female guard who was communicating with me. I kept my gaze hard and mean. 
I understand. I projected my response to her. She continued, You are to travel approximately 32 kilometers to the northwest. You will have what you need to survive there. Once there, you will find a flagpole in the sand, 20 feet north of the flagpole, set up for the night. Rest and recover there, Kyla. In the morning, you will have other options and instructions. I shifted my glare from her back to the mail guard and then out the window, making sure I still looked pissed off, which wasn't hard since I'm always pissed off at some fucking situation or another. What if I don't want to follow Bryn's other options and instructions, I asked. You have the choice to die anytime you're ready, she answered bluntly. Yes, we always have that fucking choice, don't we? Not one I wanted to take. I watched the light of life leave too many others. I was not ready for it to leave me. I had no idea why Bryn was doing this. If she believed that I had done what they said, why would she help me? Was this a trap? Or did Bryn have doubts about my involvement in the massacre of her family? When I first met her years ago, I thought she was a simple, easy person to read. Bryn seemed friendly, kind-hearted, quiet, and thoughtful. A real fucking pansy. But in no way did I peg her as someone with any intellectual depth to her. Now I began to toggle back and forth in my judgment of her. Was she a stupid puppet being moved by others? Or was she just a master of manipulation with deep layers of complex thought? I kept my stern gaze out the window for the rest of the ride. Eventually, the capsule began to slow, and all of the guards started to grab a hold of my limbs before they unlocked any doors. Never mind, opened the doors. I didn't resist being held by them because I wouldn't usually have anyway. There was no point in this confined space we were locked in to exert that sort of energy. It just wasn't the intelligent thing to do. But as soon as one guard confirmed that I was under control, I heard the doors click unlocked. The doors flew open, and I began to writhe and struggle to carry out my part of this plan with all of my might. The female guard was close to my left shoulder, as she said she would be and my naturally sharp senses detected her slipping some items into my pocket. She was pretty stealthy with her sleight of hand, and I was certain no one else perceived it. What a master this Crowen glass was. I had no idea how Bryn knew her or how to trust her, but I had to respect her skill level. If I weren't perceptive and knew it was coming, I would have missed her gesture, especially in my feigned struggles. Fucking assholes! I screamed as I struggled against them all. I hated that I knew to drop me off and to leave me, they would have to stun me. Otherwise, they would risk the chance of me taking at least one or two of them down with my bare hands as they ran back to the capsule to leave. I hated being stunned. When I came to later, my head would feel like it would explode. The pain would be worse than any hangover or knock on the head from a fight. Still, I struggled as hard as I could because I did have a slight hope of getting loose and hopping in the capsule, leaving them all behind instead. Yeah, it was not the best option, given what I'm accused of right now, but if I had the chance, I would take it, I decided at that moment. Unfortunately for me, there were just too many of them. When you have three people per limb and two others standing by, one in front and one behind you, you cannot do much, even if you are strong and wiry like I am. 
After we got about 20 feet away from the capsule, they got tired of hauling me and wrestling with my flailing limbs. I saw the flash of something purple in one of the guard's hands, and that flash confirmed the stunner was in hand and turned on. I arched my back in one last feeble attempt to contort my way out of their grip, but the guard in front of me that had the stunner got the electrical charge pressed against my temple, and everything went black. Fuck it all. That was my first thought as consciousness started to return to me. My head felt like it had been split open by an axe. I also felt hot and sweaty. Great fuck it was hot out here. The sand I was on top of was also hot. The next sensation I felt was how dry my mouth was as I moved it around, trying to encourage some saliva to accumulate to solve the problem. However, not much would produce. I was already dehydrating. How long had I been here? I had no idea. Then I remembered the items the crow and gloss female guard slipped into my pocket. It couldn't have been a bottle of water. Whatever she put in there was not heavy enough to be water. What did she give me? I stayed put on the ground while I slipped my left hand into my pocket. My vision was blurry in the bright sun, and I attempted to get it clear while I pulled the items out of my pocket and rested them on my chest. I picked up one thing that felt like it was a vial or some kind of small glass container. I held it above me as my vision came in and out of focus for a few minutes. It was probably only a few seconds, though. The thing was a tiny glass vial with a pill inside of it. Etched into the glass, it said, Swallow me. Ah, fuck. Swallow me? Was it poison? Why would they give me poison if the desert was going to kill me? Some intuition inside me told me that I needed to swallow this pill before running out of saliva. For now, though, I put it back on my chest to look at the other items I found in my pocket. The next item I picked up seemed foreign to me. The article was a small, lightweight square with some ancient language of ours written on it. I'd heard about these squares before in my history classes. Our ancestors called these squares T. Cludadwi. Essentially, it meant portable housing. In our earliest times on Anturia, we wove magic and technology together into fantastic creations. Over time, we kept some of those things, but others we stayed away from because our society claimed that they might be dangerous. However, I needed to travel first if I were to follow the guard's instructions, so I decided I would try to figure out the magic of this tea Cludadwi while I walked. I had never seen one of these in person before, but there was nothing else that it could have been as it ultimately met the description from my studies. The question would be how to activate it. I set it back down on my chest and picked up the last two items which were identical. I knew what they were already because they were very familiar to me. These two things were my knives. They were home and I had a chance with them. For a few minutes longer, I sat there waiting for my vision to restore fully, which it did. The time spent also acclimated me to the bright sun glaring down at me from all directions. I made sure not to look directly at the sun as my vision slowly returned to me. I grabbed the items from my chest, pushing the knives into their homes inside my sleeves of my tunic. I put the square in my pocket, the vial I held on to as I sat up to assess my surroundings. Ugh, there was nothing but flat fucking sand as far as the eye could see. It made distance almost impossible to tell from sight alone. It also made direction somewhat challenging as there were no land marks 
or landscape to measure the sun's shadow. I also had no idea how long I'd been there and what time of day it was right now. I decided that I needed to swallow that pill and follow my instinct. I did not know how much longer I could produce saliva. I opened the small vial and removed the blue pill from inside it, and then I popped it in my mouth and swallowed it with what little bit of spit I could muster. I waited. Was something going to happen? I didn't feel strange or anything. I sat there for some time, waiting to feel what this pill might have done to me. Finally, I realized I felt nothing unusual. That was it. I felt nothing unusual. My aching head no longer hurt. My mouth no longer felt dry. I was no longer sweating profusely. Whatever this fucking pill was, it seemed to return me to normal. I wasn't sure how long it would last, but I knew I needed to keep going. 32 kilometers was a long way to walk, let alone walk in a desolate desert. Now, which way was northwest? I glanced around me. The wind was still. The wind was also still when they dropped me off. I glanced to my right and saw the trail of the sand that the capsule kicked up when it glided here and then away in the same direction it came from. Okay, so that was east, slightly southeast. I turned my gaze to my left, slightly sharper than the capsule's path. That would be northwest. Now the question was how to stay in a straight line until I could track the sun's passage to confirm. Then I remembered my training for learning how to walk in a straight line. Even though my training was in the woods, the concepts should still be the same. While I could not use items already in my path as I did in the forest, I could make marks in my course that kept me going straight. It would be slow, but it should work long enough for me to track down the sun and confirm I was moving the right way. If night fell while I was still walking, that would be even easier because I could follow any direction with the stars on this entire planet. I took out one of my knives and marked an X where I stood in the sand. I moved forward a few steps and made another X. Standing next to it, I looked back at my first X and then the capsule path to ensure alignment in the direction I needed to move. Once I confirmed this was working, I kept moving forward in this manner. Over time, the distance between my X's got a little longer because I felt more confident with this method. Also, I noticed the sun's path, and the sun eventually confirmed my direction choice as accurate. The day passed slowly. I realized it must have been early in the day when I came to consciousness because I walked for almost seven hours before I arrived at the flagpole on the ground that the female guard told me I would find. It was so strange to see it there in the middle of nowhere. Here was this random flagpole well sunk into the rock bed below the sands of this desert. It looked as though it had been here for centuries, maybe longer. I turned north and went 20 feet and then I pulled out the T. Cludui. The sun was starting to set now. On the way here, I thought about different ways to try to activate the tea cludui. I tried rubbing it. I tried rubbing various corners of it. I tried kissing it. I tried cursing it. I tried tapping some rhythmic code onto it. Nothing. Fucking piece of shit. Finally, I exhaled and said, just fucking open in exasperation. The little square lit up all over at the word open, and I set it on the ground at my feet in a fantastic display of magic and technology from the old Anturian world. It opened itself into a small sleeping shelter. It looked like a capsule, 
as it hovered off of the ground just like those did. This hovering would protect the occupant from cave-ins or sink-ins, as sometimes happens in the desert, especially here in this desert at night. The cooling of the night air against the hot sands and the volatile nature of our planet at this time combined to make some interesting geographical effects. The shelter was also strong enough to withstand any windstorms or sandstorms that might happen out here. I was impressed, and I wish I had researched this area of history more in my studies. I was exhausted, mentally and physically, so I crawled into this portable shelter and fell asleep rather quickly. I slept deeply for hours. Without a doubt, I needed that sleep. Abruptly, a knocking on my shelter walls woke me up. I peered out, still half asleep, to see three figures in sand-colored cloaks and face masks staring down at me. One of them chuckled. Well, shit, Mon V. It was a deep male voice that rumbled. No one said she would be so fucking sexy. Another one, obviously Mont V, shoved this man away. Irrelevant, Twilo. She is plain Kyla. Nothing more. The third person squinted at me between the cloak's hood and the mask that covered his face. How can we know she's the one, he asked, examining me with his gaze. The one called Montvie said, because the capsule she swallows has a tracker in it, Rebane, and they said she'd be 20 feet north of the southwest border marker. He motioned to the flagpole and then to where I sat in the portable shelter. He glanced back at me. Sorry to have to do this to you after all you've been through lately, but I have no other choice to get you where we need to go. Before I could be confused about what this Mont V fucker was saying, I saw another flash of purple. Fuck. Another stunner here on the plains of Duroy, and everything went black. For listening to Season 1, Episode 7, Plain Kyla from the Anturia Diaries Prequel Stories Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast through your favorite podcast subscription app or at anturia.org. Season 1, Episode 8, From Clear to Cloudy, we return to Bryn's story in Chel de Velglen as a huge battle in the Civil War takes place. Stay tuned.